0: Our sermon can be found on the screen, John 21 through 18. And this sermon is titled, The Living Hope. So let me read this out for you. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain well, Easter is a joyous time. It's a time of family. It's a time of coming together. Uh, many of you have family and friends who have come to be with you on this uh, joyous holiday. Uh, we're missing some people who have gone uh, to be with their relatives in other places of the state and the country. Uh, and uh, so it's a time of great joy and a great, of great celebration. But Easter can also be a time of painful loss. We're acutely aware of people that we have lost who have passed on into glory. And we're missing them on this time when everybody should be together. so Easter is a time of great joy and celebration and it's also a time of painful loss. What we don't need today is a Hallmark card Easter. No, a Hallmark card Easter is too trite for the times we live in. Over 500,000 people have died from COVID. Many of us have been affected either by knowing someone who has passed by the economic uh, implications of COVID. We're experiencing rifts in our country, political rifts, racial rifts, a seeming inability to get on the same page with one another. There's been violence in Virginia Beach. We're all too aware of this shooting that occurred and the sadness that it follows and the questions. And so for many of us, this Easter, we find ourselves being discouraged. We find ourselves being fearful, maybe even hopeless. And we're asking ourselves the question, does Easter have anything to say for my condition? And the answer is, yes, it does. Amidst all the question marks of this questioning age in which we live, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's great exclamation point. You see, His resurrection from the dead proves that He is the only one who can bring life out of death, joy out of sorrow, and hope out of despair. And this passage is about a woman who was transformed, who had lost all hope, but she encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ and her life was never the same. What Jesus did to this woman, he wants to do to us as well. Mary had to go through a process in which she came to see the risen Christ, a three-part process of correction, of calling and commission. And we too must go through that same process today to see the resurrected Christ a process of correction calling and commission so let's move through these three steps together in the short three hours that we have together number one correction we see that this is the story is about Mary Magdalene and her encounter with Christ we don't know much about Mary Magdalene aside from her last name Magdalene comes from Magdala which is a city in Galilee she was Mary from this city in Galilee called Magdala The Bible does not speak of her much. It said that she at one time had seven different demons that were inside of her. She was possessed and oppressed by the evil one. And Jesus Christ came and healed her. And as a result, this woman followed Jesus. We do know that Jesus meant everything to Mary because we see that by the fact that at the crucifixion account, she is there. At the burial, she is there. And here on resurrection morning, she's there as well. And Mary is devastated by the loss of her Savior, her Master, Jesus Christ. And she's come to the tomb. Verse 1 puts it this way. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. It's the first day of the week, which is Sunday The Sabbath was on Saturday and Jesus Christ was crucified on Friday. Mary saw the body being taken down and taken to the tomb where Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus prepared the body, wrapping it in spices and then mummifying it in these linen strips and laying the body in the tomb and the stone being put over the grave. And we see that while it is still dark, Mary has come on the day after the Sabbath, the first day of the week. Why has she come? Well, she's come because she doesn't know what else to do. She wants to, in her own way, say goodbye to Jesus. Even though his body has been prepared, she wants to prepare it even more. She wants to touch the lifeless body of Jesus Christ, to say goodbye to the one she loved, to the one who healed her. And so she's come while it's still dark. My guess is the reason she's come is because she can't sleep. What else does she have to do? And her best hope as she comes to the tomb is to find the badly disfigured, decomposing body of her rescuer still lifeless in the tomb. That's her best hope. But when she gets there, it's even worse than she could have hoped for because the body is missing. So it says she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, we know that's John, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. See, her conclusion is the body of Jesus has been stolen. There's no hint that she even thinks that Jesus Christ is alive and has come out of the grave. She's not looking around in that area for him. She just runs to the disciples. And the disciples, John and Simon Peter, ran. And it says, and stooping to look in, John saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Peter then came and went into the tomb and he saw these These mummified clothes, this linen clothes laying on the on the grave couch, and also the head covering neatly folded on the grave couch, and it says that they saw, he saw, and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. How could he believe and yet not understand that he must rise from the dead? what it means is they believed Mary's story they believed that someone has stolen the body of Jesus not for a second does it not make sense to them why would someone steal the body and leave the grave clothes take all the time to unwrap the body and then fold up the face covering and leave no they believe that someone has stolen Jesus they don't go looking for Jesus they go home but it says in verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Why is Mary standing there when the disciples have gone home? Because she's paralyzed. She doesn't know where to go with her life, she doesn't know what to do. Have you ever felt that way? When you're stuck. When you have all these questions, but you don't have any answers. And this situation doesn't make sense to Mary. She's weeping. And in fact, the Greek there says that it's the kind of weeping like uncontrollable sobbing, like you don't care whether people are looking at you or not. And as she stoops to look into the tomb, lo and behold, she sees two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she says, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. I mean, it's kind of strange. She doesn't seem to notice the gravity of the situation, that there are these two angels right here that are talking to her, and she's speaking matter-of-factly. She can't see past her grief. And yet the angels are incredulous, aren't they? Woman, why are you weeping? Don't you realize what has happened? And as she says this, verse 14, she turns around and she sees Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. She must have become aware that there was someone behind her. Maybe he moved his foot and she sensed the presence of someone but she doesn't recognize Jesus. Maybe it's through all the tears that she's crying. Maybe it's through the darkness, it's still dark. And maybe it's through because of her hopelessness. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Notice those questions. See, Jesus gives a word of correction to Mary. Why are you weeping, Mary? In other words, why are you overcome with sorrow, Mary, when I'm alive, standing in front of you right now? There's no reason to cry, Mary. There's no reason to be sad. In fact, you should be overcome with joy. Jesus is correcting Mary. Whom are you seeking, he asks. See, Mary is looking into the tomb, She continues to look into a place of death to find one who is alive. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't you see, Mary, the empty tomb, the grave clothes, the stone that's been rolled away, the words that I spoke when I was alive with you that told you that I would rise on the third day. In other words, Mary, you've forgotten who I am. I'm the Son of God, the one who holds life and death, who is Lord over death. See, Mary loves Jesus, but Mary wants to contain Jesus, to put him in a box, a place that's safe and sound. But Jesus cannot be boxed. Jesus cannot be contained. I wonder to myself, how would I, how would we respond if we were in the shoes of Mary? Do we recognize that the one that we're talking about today is the Son of God? See, we too want to contain Jesus. We want to put Him in His place. Sure, it's a place of love and reverence, but it's locked in a tomb somewhere. But Jesus Christ cannot be contained. He cannot be constrained. And the resurrection shows this. See, the resurrection proves who Jesus is. Christianity is the only religion that stands or falls on the truthfulness of an event. Without the resurrection, Jesus' death becomes the heroic death of a noble martyr, the pathetic death of a madman, or the execution of a fraud. But you see, the survival of Jesus, the fact that we're here today, 2,000 years uh, later, shows that its unique basis, the resurrection, is indeed valid. So you and I need to be reminded, Jesus is alive. The stone was rolled away, and the tomb is empty. The heavenly throne is occupied. Easter Sunday morning, contains the promise that one day death will be undone and sorrow and sadness will be no more and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will wipe away every tear from our eye. That promise was guaranteed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. So take hope. Whatever your situation, no matter how hopeless it feels to you, There's one who triumphed over the grave. There's one who's greater than your circumstances. And there's one who can bring life from death and joy from despair. He proved it that day in the resurrection. And he can prove it in your life again and again. Jesus gave a word of correction to Mary. But he also gave, my second point, a word of calling Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. It's almost a comedy, isn't it, right? She thinks that Jesus is the gardener. Jesus, uh, because Mary isn't even looking at Jesus anymore. The, The passage says that she's turned back to the grave, looking to a place of death to find Jesus and you get this sense that Jesus can't take it anymore he can't take the sadness of his friend Mary and so he says to her one word that's it that's all it took Jesus said to her Mary and she turned and said to him in Aramaic Rabboni it's a profoundly personal word isn't it he just says her name It's beautiful and how he calls her to himself by saying her name. What was wrapped up in that name and the way that he said it in such a way that she instantly knew that it was Jesus. And her eyes were all of a sudden open and she turned to him and her grief was replaced with gladness and her sorrow was celebration. I love how Jesus just spoke to her He didn't speak to a crowd, did he? He just spoke to one person. It's profoundly personal. Why did Jesus do that? It was because Jesus loved her. And Jesus wanted her to know that he was alive. He wanted to renew his relationship with her that had been broken by death. See, my friends, Jesus called to each one of us is profoundly personal. It's not some scattershot general proposition that's thrown out at random. The risen Christ calls each one of us by name as well. John 10 verse 3 put it this way, I am the good shepherd. I call my sheep by name and they hear my voice. In Isaiah 43:1, God says, Fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Jesus, who is alive, issues us the same invitation and calls us by name because he wants us to know him as the living Christ. I mean, that's why you're here, right? Perhaps you've come to seek Jesus among the dead today. To admire and remember him on his day, but Jesus did not come to be remembered. He came to be encountered. Perhaps you're here and not looking at Jesus for Jesus at all. Perhaps it's just the thing that you do, you know, culturally. But you see, you're looking in all the wrong places for life, for peace, for pardon for a clean conscience. What you need more than anything is to hear Christ calling you to himself. And when that call comes to you, it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit that has the power to open your eyes so you can see the fact and the truth that Jesus is the risen Lord. If you look to him this Easter Sunday, your eyes will be open and you'll see the Lord and giver of life himself risen in victory over the grave and nothing will ever be the same again. See, that's why Christianity is so powerful. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a man. Jesus Christ, the living Savior. Well, Mary responds to the call. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, in utter joy. What does this word Rabboni mean? Well, the word Rab in Aramaic means teacher. And if you add an I to it, it means my teacher. Thus, we're all familiar with the word rabbi, my teacher. But Rabbon is even more than that. It's teacher magnified a hundredfold. It much more has the connotation of master teacher. And what does she say, Rabboni? She's saying to Jesus, oh, my master, my master teacher, you are back. See, Mary has found the one who is worthy of all of her affection, one worth listening to, who can guide her life the way it should be lived. Mary responded to the call that day. Will you? He's calling you too in the gospel. Are you listening? Will you answer the call and turn from all the wrong directions in which you've been looking to Christ alone? For He is the one you're looking for. He is the one you need. And when you begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will know the one who made the stars, who made the universe, who knows your name. For you can only have peace when you know the one who made you. This brings me to my final point. If Jesus issues a correction to Mary and then gives a calling to her, he finally gives a commission. In verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now this implies something that's not said in the gospel, this gospel, but we can see it. When Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, it means, of course, that's because Mary is clinging to him. Mary when she said Rabboni and realized that this was her master has come to Jesus and wrapped her arms around Jesus and is hugging him as tight as possible, squeezing him as if to say, I never want to let you go. How long did Jesus let her hold onto him? But there's a sense here in this word cling that there's something more in Mary, that there's a desire to hold on, that there's a a possession, if you will, that I never want to lose you again. And Mary wants to communicate, uh, Jesus wants to communicate, oh Mary, you'll never lose me. You have me forever. But he says, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. See, notice that he is being hugged physically. Jesus is alive. He can be touched. He can be felt. He soon will have breakfast with his disciples. He'll he'll tell uh, uh, the disciples to put their hands in uh, uh, in his hands and in his side. He's a physical body. But Jesus must go to the Father. He must rise and be enthroned in heaven where he can pour out his Holy Spirit upon all believers so that they would know him. See, what Jesus is really saying is, it's better for you, Mary, that I go away because right now I'm with you. But I want to be more than with you. I want to be in you by my Holy Spirit. It's better for me to ascend. But don't worry, Mary. You'll never lose me. And so Jesus gives her a commission. Notice what he says. But go to my brother's. Jesus calls the other disciples, my brothers, and says to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He uses the words brothers and father. He's using the words of a family. What Jesus is saying to Mary and what Jesus is saying to all of his followers is you have come now to belong to my family because I died and rose and I ascend to reign that you're welcome into my family see Jesus died and rose again so that each one of us could have a place in his family we were strangers to God enemies to God And yet through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross and his resurrection he has brought us so close that God the Father has adopted us into the family that we could call God our very Father. And we could call Jesus not only Lord but our brother. A human being just like us. John 1.12 put it this way. For all those who believed in him To those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's no greater privilege, no greater position that one could aspire to than to be called a child of God. See, we think Easter and Christianity is an individual thing, but it's so much more than that. How can we get on the same page with one another? Humanity was meant to be a family. But that can only happen in Jesus Christ. How can we understand one another? How can we break through the barriers to really see one another? It's only through Jesus Christ. And so Mary gets to go and tell the disciples what he has accomplished. Easter is all about coming home and Jesus has made a way where you have a heavenly father who watches over you, a brother the Lord Jesus Christ who is close to you and lives in you by the Holy Spirit. So the call today on Resurrection Sunday is to hear the voice of Jesus Christ, the living one, and to surrender your life to him. What are you looking for this Easter? He's not in a tomb. He's risen. He's risen indeed. May the Lord give us all the grace to hear the voice of the King, Jesus, speaking our names in the gospel. And may He help us turn from empty tombs to see Him and take our place in His family. Let's pray. Oh God, what a powerful story. Surely we can sympathize with Mary who was hopeless in her despair, feeling like that she had lost you forever. But Jesus, you came out of the grave and you are alive. And you came not to be remembered, but to be encountered. And we can have a personal relationship with you right now through your Holy Spirit. And you are in the business bringing hope out of that which is hopeless. And if ever there was a time that we needed hope, it's now. So Lord, give us the courage to turn from the tomb, to seek your face. Give us ears to hear your call and to understand and believe and embrace the commission to become part of the family of God. We pray all of these things in Christ's name, amen.